Dominica, the Caribbean, and the rest of the world. And welcome back to another episode of Untapped Potential with Dr. Simone right here on TDN Radio. Yes, it's another Tuesday. It's another opportunity to get powered up for the week as we normally do. We come here each and every Tuesday from 5.30 Eastern Time to get powered up with great conversation, great music, and just a bit of information to help to uh, guide you during this week. So again, it is wonderful to be here with you for another episode of Untapped Potential right here on TDN Radio. If you're celebrating a birthday or anniversary, or if you're simply celebrating life, we are happy that you're joining us today as we get powered up together. So again, it is great to be with you. We are enjoying some beautiful weather down here in Georgia. It is quite cool, but very bright and sunny, just the type of weather that I personally enjoy. So I hope that the weather in your area is very um, conducive as well to getting out, getting some sunshine, getting some fresh air. So we have another power-packed program. Program for you today. Today, our interview will be one that we conducted via Facebook Live with Mr. Kofi Thomas. Uh, Kofi is from Dominican Parentage, and he has done incredibly well for himself with regards to community gardening. As a matter of fact, he's done so well that he was recently featured on the Ellen DeGeneres show. So I thought that we would have an interview with him via Facebook Live and then uh, give you a portion of the interview during our program. And as always, if you miss any portions of the interview, you can always check out the rest of the interview now on YouTube. Uh, YouTube.com, uh, Push Past 10 is our YouTube channel, so you can check it out there. And I also want to say good evening and thank you to Miss uh, Elizabeth Thomas, who's the one who recommended Kofi to our program. So we have a packed program for you. Kofi will be our interview for this evening. And of course, you want to stay tuned to after the interview for our tip of the day and everything else that we're doing as we continue along this journey of, uh, you know, uh, seeing our identity as our strength and just promoting our people, our products, and our culture. So again, welcome to the program. Let's enjoy this number from the Rough and Ready Band, Silent Night, uh, the Christmas um, edition of Rough and Ready's music. And we certainly enjoy the songs of Rough and Ready during the Christmas season. So again, enjoy this number from the Rough and Ready Band, Silent Night, as we get the program off and running. Mm -hmm. 
Has your income been impacted by COVID-19? Are you on track with securing your family's financial future? Let Badui Financial Services be your guide in this ever-changing world. From budgeting and finally eliminating your debt to protecting your income and leaving a financial legacy for your family. Badui Financial Services is your one-stop shop for securing your financial future. Give them a call today at 864-607-1361. That number again, 864-607-1361. Badui Financial Services, Integrity and Service is our commitment to you. Give them a call. Today. For the first, uh, 
you know, just because I was raised correctly. My man is uh, good evening. Good evening, everyone. Good evening to everybody at home, uh, to you and your families. Uh, you know, thank you for, for tuning in and listening. It's a pleasure to uh, be talking to you all virtually. Uh, my name is Kofi Thomas. I am uh, the proud son of Dominican parents. Uh, Wilma Thomas, uh, Wilma Bellot Thomas from Pottersville and uh, Herbert Thomas from Bath Road, uh, who now lives in Trafalgar. Um, so I've got uh, deep roots in Dominica and I realize more and more as I get older, I am a, a kind of a culmination of the influences in my life. So the 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 people that raised me, my mother, my father, uh, all of my uh, all of my aunties and my uncles from DA, uh, they raised me, uh, and they you know did a great job in my humble opinion, and uh, so it kind of made me into the the man I am today. And uh, the man I am today, I live in Brooklyn, New York, and I am uh, I think one of the uh, let's say new generation of uh, black urban farmers. Yes, excellent. Thank you for that. And guys, you know he's from Do he has Dominica connection when he calls Dominica DA, right? <laughs> because only folks from Dominica who have Dominican parents actually refer to Dominica as DA. So, so again, Kofi, thank you so much um, from be for being here. And of course, we have to remember to thank our sponsors who allow for our Facebook Live. So Badui Financial Services, we thank you for your support. And of course, um, TDN Radio. So yes, so we want to hear all about Ellen, but let's just uh, ease into um, the conversation just a little bit. Just kind of tell us where this idea came from. So how did you find that particular lot in Brooklyn and just how everything got started for you? Yeah, so it, it it's funny because sometimes it things like it feels like things happen overnight, but this was actually, um, you know, a, a couple uh, a, a couple years in the making, let's say. Uh, so, where I live in Brooklyn, I live or I was living across the street from a really uh, beautiful garden called the People's Garden, and it is a Afro Latino garden, and I got involved there. Uh, originally, to be honest with you, I was throwing a party, uh, you know, in my apartment. I needed to borrow some folding chairs. So I went over there and I asked the old man uh, named Hernan if I could borrow some chairs. And he was so just generous about it. He said, just just borrow them. You don't, you don't have to give me any money. Just bring them back when you're done. And he was so generous. I said, oh, like, you know, if I could return the favor, if you all need any help around this this garden space, I'd love to help out. And he said at the time they were starting to uh, rebuild their dance floor. And I had a little bit of experience in, uh, you know, construction, carpentry, as we all do. Um, and I came back a week later and helped them to buy all the lumber and build the this new dance floor. But as we were building it, I noticed that neighbors who I had never met were coming into the garden to lend some of their time and help carry some wood or, or, you know, drill some things or clean or cook. And everybody was really pitching in. And I got to see the community in a way I hadn't seen before. Um, for, so for me, it kind of set 
these wheels in motion of oh, like having a, a community garden in a neighborhood like Brooklyn that's very dense, but people really don't talk to each other, is a very uh, a very important and vital place. So I started to let's say like that was kind of the seed that started to kind of grow my love for community gardens, and then fast forward about a year, year and a half later, I was sitting in that same garden with the elder. Uh, Hernan, and he told me about a garden that was around the corner that had been uh, abused. So, uh, you know, he was talking about it very passionately, very angry, and he wasn't, not, he's not a very, like, angry man, but he's very passionate about uh, about community taking care of each other. So he was mad that people had taken uh, this garden and abused it and were now using it to uh, to dump trash and people from the neighborhood weren't really being allowed into it and, and allowed to enjoy it in a way that a garden should be. Now, I was surprised because I was living on that street for about a year and I had never heard of this garden he was talking about. So I walked over to it because it was literally like around the corner from where I was living. And there was this really, really big area um, that was really just a mess. It was a derelict space. It was uh, half the garden was uh, covered in debris and weeds. And from what I could tell, uh, a demolition company had been dumping their uh, their waste materials onto there. So it was, uh, you know, like leftover sheetrock and broken glass. And then on top of that, um, People in the in the neighborhood who don't live on the street have started to use that area as a place to come by and uh, and get drunk and pass out. So there was uh, just you know liquor bottles everywhere, and the energy in the place was uh, was just very dark and very unwelcoming. And mm-hmm. so when I saw that, that kind of set me off on the next step of the journey into figuring out what's going on here. And how can we maybe get this space back into the hands of the community? Mm-hmm. Now, what, what year was this? This was the end of 2017 was when mm-hmm. I first walked into what is now the Good Life Garden. Yeah. And how did you how did you get started? Did you have to get permission from the city? How did you get started? <laughs> okay. I don't know how much time you have on your show. <laughs> <laughs> Because I could talk for for days about this. All right, so the 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 shorter version is, uh, as I do with most things in my neighborhood, I I just talk to people. I ask I ask a lot of questions. I listen, and so I asked the older people on the, on the block if they could give me their oral history of what is this space, what did it used to be, what happened. And the the messages I got, the stories I got was that the place used to be um, what they called like a paradise at one time, Mm -hmm. but they had lost contact with who was in charge of it. And now it was a few men who don't live on the street that would open it up, keep it as a keep it as private property, dump trash, Mm -hmm. drink and then close it. And uh, from between them and then me doing some research, I started to. When I get curious about something, I start diving into the internet and online searches and, you know, I, I try to teach myself whatever I can. So I learned and I make a lot of phone calls. I found out that uh, 
I found out how to read property deeds online, found out the block and lot number, uh, found out that the property, the last deed was actually um, had the property listed to the New York City Parks Department. And I had already had a history with the Parks Department because I, at the time, was on the board of a land trust for 35 community gardens. So I've been for years talking to people in the environmental green space area. So I had some contacts. Mm -hmm. So I called them up, asked, uh, hey, you all, I think I found, you know, this gem and you all own it. You all own this great uh, space in, in Bushwick, but it hasn't been looked after, maintained in over a decade. And would you all be willing to, you know, send over a crew because I've already started cleaning it up and we're, I'm getting a neighbor going. And they responded to me. Uh, they said, we do not own that property. Oh, my God. Which then put me into a whole other. Because I've never, I've previous to this, I've had no experience uh, dealing with the city right. uh, on, on, on such a high level. Because you're talking about property. Yes, now, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, so now, so now I'm sending emails to the commissioner of the Parks Department, to every city councilor that's involved in a district, to the state legislature. I called up the state senators. And so I'm, so I'm bothering everybody to make sure they know what's happening. And uh, they finally, I think I finally put so much pressure on them that they had to respond and told me that, listen, it, it is actually our property, but we do not have the capacity to deal with that. Can wow. you uh, organize the, the, the block and form a garden group and we'll let, and we'll sign over the property and let as a, we'll sign over a license for you to steward the property. So that's what happens. It was, so, but but it, you know, it kind of begs the question, Kofi. Why were you so committed? Like, why didn't you just shake the idea off and say, you know what, this is just too difficult. I'm gonna, I have a life to live. I have other things to do with my time. Why were you so committed to this idea? Yeah, that's that is a great question. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. I think so. The the more time goes by, the answer kind of morphs and grows. Mm -hmm. So initially, and. Uh, you know, <laughs> the way that I get motivated sometimes is, uh, is by like injustice. Like if I start mm -hmm. to get really angry about something, sometimes that's like the, almost like the spark that starts mm -hmm. the engine. So, so knowing what I know about the community I live in, I know that in our community, we are oftentimes victims of overdevelopment. Uh, so big companies come in, destroy a lot of trees, a lot of green spaces, put up high rises that then mm -hmm. nobody in the neighbor can afford. And our neighbor, because we have uh, less green spaces, more pollution, we have higher rates of childhood asthma, higher rates mm -hmm. of um, diabetes, hypertension. Basically, like we're a neighborhood that gets the short end of the stick a lot of times. Now, is that also an area that's considered a food desert in terms of um, healthy options, fruits, fresh vegetables? Is that- Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah we're considered a food desert, um, an at-risk community where, you know, we're one of the communities where uh, there's there's not 
a lot of access to healthy food and to to fresh food. And something I was reading recently um, from another great black farmer is that uh, she refers to these type of areas as a food apartheid because a desert is naturally occurring. Like deserts, like the Sahara, they're natural, but a food apartheid is when you've actually separated a people from access to healthy organic food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now you mentioned in the video that it was a crazy idea. Did the, the folks in your life, your parents, your friends also think this was a crazy idea you were embarking on? <laughs> I think it was so-so. I think it was so-so. Right. Some of them, some of them were, you know, and honestly, because it is, it is a, it is a, it is a crazy idea. But I think that I've got some very supportive people in my life yeah. who told me to, you know, maybe like they don't understand completely. Yeah. but keep going, <laughs> yeah. which I get a lot. I've always been kind of a a, a wanderer, the, the person to try out something different, maybe right. off the beaten path. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but for me, I also have a, a background in education. Mm-hmm. And I've always, you know, felt a certain type of way, a certain passion for uh, how do we get more opportunities for the kids in our neighborhood? Mm-hmm. And knowing what I know that we don't have a lot of green space, we don't have a lot of parks, we definitely don't have a lot of support for any outdoor learning. I saw this space and I said to myself, like, oh, this could be a great resource for, there's four or five schools within uh, you know, a five minute walk of this garden. Mm-hmm. And if I can, if I can build this up, then I've added a, another classroom to all of these kids' lives. Mm-hmm. And I've also added another playground for all the parents out here. So that was part of the, uh, you know, kind of like the, the the gasoline that kept me going. So at first it was like the anger that sparked it. But what kept me going was like, was seeing the the people in my neighborhood and what it could do to, to, to better their lives. Yeah, good for you. And, and, you know, you finally get access to the land and the property, but was it overwhelming to see the amount of work that you have to do? And then before you, you answer that question, you know, it just kind of speaks of you being a visionary because I think you have to imagine that this land had probably been abandoned for many years. Think of the thousand, potentially even millions of people that may have walked past that that same property and probably even turned away because they didn't want to see it was an eyesore. And then you, one person, came along and instead of turning away, you looked at it and said, wow, what can I do with this property? So I think it kind of, it's a lesson for all of us that we each have a call in, right? And, uh, you know, while others might think it's impossible, we have to embrace the call in and just be a positive light in the corner of the world where we are. So was it overwhelming? How did you get started? Did you get started by yourself? Uh, yes. Uh, so to your point, though, I mean, I definitely, I think it's important to be, to really have that vision and believe yeah. in it, like, you know, and to, to walk in that light, you know, to, incredible. To, really, to, to, to really draw on that, on that, on that positive energy and keep moving forward. Mm. I felt, and it sounds odd, but I felt really good. I felt really um, motivated and strong. I also, like I said, I have like very amazing people in my corner. So mm-hmm. when I first got the uh, like the green light to start cleaning up the property, I told uh, Hernan, the elder at 
the People's Garden, who's this like 75 year old Puerto Rican man, but he's an old activist and, um, you know, like just about action. So I told him and we had one of the gardener from Oaxaca, Mexico named Julio. And the three of us just walked over with some rakes and some shovels and some bags. And we just started cleaning up. And it's funny, I tell it because it almost sounds like one of those old bad jokes where it says like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 a Dominican, a Puerto Rican, and Mexican walk into a garden, you know. <laughs> and so when I tell people that, uh, I tell it because one is funny, and two, I like to show people too that, you know, if, if you if you start really like believing in something, and doing something, you're gonna you're gonna find other people who have the the same kind of like love and energy that you have and they might not look like you uh mm-hmm. or talk like you or even mm-hmm. understand everything you're saying but uh you know but but because we all like do the work and believe in everybody like, we're like family now we've done so many gardens together now we're honestly like like we're like family like we go to the hey. And it's it's funny that you mentioned, you know, a Mexican, a Puerto Rican and a Dominican, because I was thinking, you know, these are folks that have gardening in their DNA, because I was curious if farming is something that your parents were involved in. Like, where did your love for gardening farming come from? That's very interesting. So I'm, I'm still tracing that. And it's funny because part of what I part of my first mission statement for the garden when I was really trying to sit down and imagine it was I wanted it to be a place where where people could connect to each other and reconnect to the land. And for me, the more I garden is the closer I feel to my Dominican roots. Yes. Like the more I garden is the more I feel like, oh, like I've known this. I've known this my whole wow. life. It's just I've never <laughs> I've never taken the time to explore it. But but all of this is in me, all of it. Mm-hmm. And then the more I garden is the more that I've had so many people stop by the garden and, and, and start talking to me and giving me advice about how to grow this, how to grow that. And of course, I'll ask, where are you from? And I've had a few Dominicans stop in, not knowing that we were both Dominican. And I said, but look at this. If I didn't, if I wasn't out here working on this land, you would have walked by me and I would not have known another, you know, one of my DA cousins was walking by. Very well said. And speaking of your parents, I want to thank your mom, uh, Mrs. Wilma Thomas, for connecting us as well as Mrs. Elizabeth um, Thomas, who lives out there in Massachusetts, who sends me the clip of you on Ellen DeGeneres. So we're truly thankful for your mom and for Liz and you're representing your your, your Dominica t-shirt right here. But you know, um, Kofi, we have to take a minute to acknowledge and welcome our Facebook viewers who right. have been with us from the beginning. So let's just say good evening to uh, Elizabeth Thomas is on here. So she's the one who referred you. I am so proud of this dynamic young man. Yes. Can't wait to learn more about him, his drive and his amazing project. Uh, I can never pronounce this person's first name. So we'll just say Alexander says good evening. Brother David Lankloss, always great to see you. Good night and love and blessings to all. Tina Bell, one of my favorites. Good evening. Good evening. Roslyn, another uh, favorite fan, top fan listening from New York. I watched the show when he was on. Uh-huh. 
Very interesting. Maria Serafin, congratulations to Wilma. Congratulations, your mom. Yeah. Annette Philip, watching from NYC. David Bertrand, great to see you. Susan Xavier, good night. God blessing. Keep doing good work for God Almighty. Glenda Luge says hi. Alexander, intelligent, motivated, and decisive man. More strength. Devin Flowers, watching from DA. You are just like your mom. Great job. Matilda Jolly is watching. Let's see, oh. Devin. Great job. Angelina Charles, watching from Canada. Henrietta Robinson, James watching. So the entire world is locked yeah. in, Kofi, and we're so happy that they're here. <laughs> yes, hello, world, and thank you all for tuning in. Uh, much love to all of you, uh, wherever you are, you know? Yes, yes. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah, so we're going to get to how you ended up on the Ellen DeGeneres show, but just kind of tell us, like, what did you start planting? What did you start producing? Like, how large is the property? Yeah, so the the good life garden is 13,000 square feet mm. and we started off so i and again it's just the learning part of it was amazing for me so it was my first time uh doing landscape design uh and so for that i had to hold a couple community meetings and really ask because really it's about uh this type of work it's about listening mm -hmm. so i just got people together and sat down and said, said like, what do you all feel you need on the street? What, how do you think that this garden could help? Um, what's missing around here? And what do you all want to grow? And from all of the answers and input, uh, designed the garden to serve as a educational garden. Um, so the, the raised beds are set up almost like small classrooms. So a teacher or instructor can like walk around and tell the students what's going on. I can give tours and we grow a bit of everything. Uh, I grow a lot of main crops, a lot of um, crops that are really big in um, like African-American cuisine. And then I have a section um, that is for like international cuisine. Just And that's almost like, for me, that's almost like a, uh, uh, a fun growing metaphor because it's like hey look like you're from the Caribbean and you live here now what about this like you could bring some uh some Karaili and it can live here now so just showing mm -hmm. how us like the plants are yeah. you know kind of setting down roots in mm -hmm. uh uh in the in this place in Brooklyn and then I have another section of the garden that is completely for like imagination so just for kids to come in and see what they want to plant and so they can just try out different flowers and vegetables and all that, but just so they can play and, and learn and get used to getting their hands in the dirt. Mm -hmm. and, and how did the popularity grow? So you started off the three of you and how did you get the word out? How did the popularity grow to the, to the point where you were getting media coverage? Yeah, so I think what happened was uh, so start with us three, and then I then I formed the garden group with like twelve neighbors, and then from there my so my history with gardens I've worked with like forty over forty gardens through different uh, through the Brooklyn Queens Land Trust, but so I've had the privilege of seeing some of like the old uh, some of the older black women who started gardens back in the sixties and seventies, and a lot of the methods they used to 
to build their gardens and to really connect uh, their communities and build strong bonds. And so I took a lot of what I learned from those pioneers and then I added on what I know from my generation about how to, uh, you know, spread information through mm-hmm. social media. And then I reached out to a lot of the kids on the street um, because I knew that they'd be telling all of their friends. So it's funny, my my way of communicating with the neighborhood around me is it's like twofold. Now here's the here's the secret. If you're a gardener in New York or America, this is probably your secret. You need to know about how to get people to your garden. All right. First, you need to be listening. You need to be aware. You need to identify because people get information on my block through two ways. We have a senior home across the street and the seniors are from all over the world, but much like the Caribbean, um, they all uh, they all talk to each other about everything. It's all word of mouth. That's how it spreads. So what I do is, since I talk a lot too, I identified who has the biggest mouth in the senior home, who gossips all the time. So when I have like a workshop or a music event, I tell her what's happening. She tells everybody. I don't, I don't have to tell Brilliant. anybody. Else. Free advertising. Yeah, free advertising. And she loves to tell everybody, hey, did you hear this? You hear what's happening? So she loves it. So I've got her. She's my, she's my speaker. And then for the younger folks, I post, uh, I'll post like a flyer on, uh, on the Instagram or Facebook or post a flyer up on like a, on the, uh, outside the garden on the wall. Because with the younger folks, they will, like one of the things that we do is we host a lot of live music. Once they're doing a, um, a volunteer event or show, they love to tell their friends about it nice. and have everybody come make it like, and everything that we try to do, I try to make it like some kind of a party. It's mm-hmm. so all the events that we have, even like all the education, the nutrition, the health and wellness, it's all joyful. Every, like everything you come to, I try to have, if I can try to have some food, I try to have some music, like I try to make every event um, just with a lot of happiness, a lot of energy, a lot of joy. And that's how we get, you know, people to to come out and keep coming out. If you have and, a party, and that, and that in itself is brilliant because I'm thinking, you know, you're you're into farming, you're into gardening. Who would have thought? Maybe if I incorporate music and the arts, I know you also do something with artists as well. If I incorporate more, mm-hmm. it will attract people to the base, which is gardening. Now, do you do anything in terms of like cooking, maybe? Because now I'm sparking all ideas in my mind. There you go. With what Keep you're those doing. ideas coming. Keep those. That's what I like. That's what I like. I just started. Then, then people come in and keep the ideas going. Uh, yeah, we have we have a couple of chefs, and they've done uh, cooking exhibitions, and then they'll they'll take fresh produce out the garden, use that in a dish. Then we get you know different neighbors. Uh, I'll you know give them some of the let's say some of the peppers that we grow. They'll go home, make a nice pepper sauce, bring it back to the garden. We'll share that around. So yes, it's and it's the. And it's this, it's that uh, that community cycle. People are nice. growing things in the garden, taking it home, making something, bringing it back to the garden. So you know, you, you get that 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 very local experience. You know, nice. that's actually and and you know, now you're sparking all sorts of um, questions in my mind because I'm now I'm thinking, what is the ultimate goal 
with everything that you're, you're doing because it's sounding like it's just mushrooming into something from where you started into even larger ideas. So, so what is the, 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 and do you give the food away by the way? How does that work? Yes. Yes. So all the food that we grow, we give away um, completely free of charge to the neighborhood. I usually prioritize by, by need. So I'll give it out to like, make sure the senior home and we have a woman's shelter around the corner, make sure that they are, you know, looked after, asked first. And then I've got some seniors on the block and I've got like a kind of a grocery list of what they like to eat, nice. make sure that they get uh, what they like. And then it's just for anybody. Anybody who comes by can uh, grab some fresh vegetables. And I want, and I do that with intention. I want people to uh, to start to get used to eating food that grows near them. Mm-hmm. And then, what is what is your ultimate dream now? Because now this is this is mushrooming to to something far beyond what yeah. you started. So, what is your ultimate dream? Oh yes, and it's going by the way, and it's going to keep growing. Right, yes. right now, I just <laughs> uh, I just finished building a third garden around the corner from the Good Life Garden. So now I've got three gardens on uh, on three connecting streets, mm-hmm. and I've come. And I've combined all of them, like combined their their assets and resources. And I'm going to use the gardens as a vehicle to connect those, the different people on the different streets that currently do not talk to each other. Mm. But because of the gardens, they're going to have to start talking. So what I'm doing is I'm using this model of taking care of the earth, taking care of these green spaces, learning how to feed ourselves, um, having community events as a model to reconnecting people. Like right now on our streets, a lot of people do not know each other. It's not like our parent generation where they had this really strong network. Everybody knew through word of mouth, through gossip, uh, what everybody needed. Everybody knew if somebody was sick, you'd go over the house, you'd see, see if they need something. Um, you know, I mean, I remember growing up, when I needed to get a job when I was, you know, 13, 14 years old, my mom would call around to other Dominicans and say, hey, do you know who's hiring? So we've always, so I've grown up always, always knowing there's like a network and that's how communities are built and how communities thrive. So what, so my model or what my goal is, like you said, is to have a network here, is to have some way where these people who live next door to each other, but do not know each other, mm-hmm. will start to talk to each other, start to trust each other and start to communicate and build uh, a network that's something similar to what we have grown up in, have naturally in DA, where people yeah. just take care. So what I've, what I've noticed is, for example, like once I opened up the Good Life Garden, people would come in to volunteer and help out and I'm always just trying to say, like, hey, uh, you know, I remember how I said, uh, I said, hey, like, Gerald, have you met Bernadette? And he said, no. And they and they start talking. And they, and he said, oh, how long have you lived here? She said, oh, I've been on the street for 30 years. And she said, how long have you been here? He said, I've been on here for 12 years. So you've got people who live across the street from each other for at least 12 years who have never met until they came into the garden and started growing food. Coffee, it gets worse. I lived in New York. I lived in oh. New York for 10 years. Oh, so you know. I lived in Parkchester 
-huh. We didn't even know the people across from the hall from us. And to make it worse, I worked from home. I teach online. So I will, so the UPS guy, of course, figured that much out. And he would leave me packages for the people across the hall. I would go deliver the package. They would open the door this wide. No. And they would not even acknowledge me. So what you're doing is so essential. And I, I have to tell you, because now you're sparking all sorts of ideas in my mind, that oh. model could actually work for Dominica because unfortunately the Dominica I grew up in, which is what you described of neighbors leaning on neighbors, it is no longer. So I'm, I'm envisioning this model, not just for Brooklyn, but for other states, for other countries. Yeah. 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 This yeah, is phenomenal. Is, this is, I'm so happy I'm talking to you. Yes. No, this, this is a, this is a model I'm working on that can be, uh, that can be used anywhere in the world. Right. And it's a model that does not, <laughs> The, the 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 relationship of cost to impact is not even close. It does not cost a ton of money to start a community garden, but the impact is like it's it's honestly it's hard to measure. The impact you have on people, you honestly it's it's hard to even predict. Because like yeah. the people that now know each other because they met in the garden, I don't know how their life is going to turn out now. But if, but if they had never come into the garden, they would have never met. But now they might be friends for the rest of their life. Right. And not only friends, they might be business partners because people of similar interests are bound to meet. Right. You might have some relationships. Yes. Yeah. People might find love and they live on the same street. So another thing, like it's one of those positive things that have so many side effects you don't even know yes. about. But one of the things that I had in... Um, foreseen was the was the effect on the safety of the street mm -hmm. so before we cleaned up this the lot it was covered in trash and at night it used to be a lot of men that hung out all around the outside now i didn't know until about a year later after we cleaned it up because the the men who used to hang out on the outside just they stopped coming around mm -hmm. because i started having uh kids come in and play and birthday parties and what was told to me by the woman on the street was that the woman on the street used to not walk by the garden mm -hmm. because they felt it was dangerous and a couple incidents had happened where they felt like they might um you know be assaulted they said since the garden got cleaned up now they walk by the garden to see what flowers are growing so just that you know, just building a garden has changed the, the the safety of the whole street and changed this route that these women now take to get to work. Yeah, so it has completely the, transformed the neighborhood. Yeah, it transforms in, in, in so many ways. And another yeah. little lesson I forgot about was, you know, if you're if you're looking to bring positivity, you know, into a space, just try to get uh, some kids in there. Like try to get some youth because once I started reaching out to schools and parents, when those kids come in and have a birthday party and they're running around and they're shouting and they're painting everywhere, like that makes all the negativity leave. It's almost mm -hmm. like you know you, you grow you grow some good crops, then all the the bad weeds are going to grow away. So yeah, you got to put down some put down some positive 
uh, some positive plants. Man, I am so incredibly happy that you're on this program. You are a wonderful example for so much that we can do in just our own corners of the world yeah. and just to see how it has taken off. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And thank I, that's you the thing. So much. You just gotta, yeah, and really, you know, believe in, believe in yourself, believe yeah. in your magic, right. you know, believe what you can do because right. you can definitely better yourself and you can better the community around you. Right. Now I have one more question before we get to Ellen DeGeneres, because I know everybody wants to know how you ended <laughs> up on Ellen DeGeneres. But did COVID have any impact on your operations? Yes, yes. COVID had a had a really, really, uh, a really significant impact on, mm -hmm. on the garden. And because we're a community garden. So the first word is community. So when the community is is hurt, we're we're hurt. We are, you know, that's that's who I am. Those are my people. And so when COVID hit, we are in a neighborhood where, uh, you know, whenever something hits, it hits us harder. So the lack of jobs, uh, just the fear, people dying, people who are already at risk. Like I said, we already have a. a a higher at-risk neighborhood. We have less access to healthcare, and COVID hit us really hard. And one of the big things that uh, COVID did for me, as far as as far as like reaction and vision, was COVID really, um, really sh like put a bright light on how uh, how big the food insecurity is in our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Once COVID hit, like there's a lot of people who were, you know, really just struggling already financially. And when COVID hit and people got laid off and they were waiting on, you know, some type of uh, check to come from the government, people were really scared, like don't, like didn't know how they were going to feed their families. And so a lot of food pantries started handing out more food, but that became one of the only options was getting like a box of food from a food pantry. It might not be food that, you know, that your family's used to eating. Cause it might just be from like from a, a farm in the Midwest, might be some milk and some cheese, but you know, you're not going to get the, the, the rice and peas and the, and the chicken and the, you know, plantains, what you're normally eating. And it made me start to think about how vulnerable we are. That once this, you know, when COVID hit, all of a sudden like everybody, a lot of people were dependent on, this handout from the food pantry. And then the lines for the pantry were, I remember there was like, it was like you know, you've been, you're like, you were living in New York. So you know, how, like mm -hmm. in the city, how long the city block is. The lines were like 10 city blocks long. So people would line up at 3 a.m. to wait for a food pantry that opened at 8 a.m. So you gotta think about people are leaving the houses to go line up in the dark at 3 a.m. to make sure they get food for their family. That got me to think about what we could do as a garden space, as a you know, as a community to to think about this in the long term, you know, because we had to react. And I helped at food pantries, which is just from my mom. That's what she does. So I started helping at food pantries, and I started thinking about okay, but this is needed right now. But how do we? How do we help to alleviate the pressure on these food pantries? Mm -hmm. Like, how do we, because if, if the trucks don't come in, like, then what? 
then we're just like we're just vulnerable. We're helpless. So I wanted to make I wanted to start to think about how we become more self-sustainable and how do we start to like reconnect with what our parents, grandparents used to do because they all know they all knew how to grow their own food. So that's what became more of my focus for the next year was more uh, how to focus more on uh, like having a curriculum. So for the next year, we're going to have more workshops on how to start seeds, how to grow your food, so that when, so not even when something else happens, but before anything else happens, before there's another pandemic or lockdown, that one of my goals is to start to get my neighborhood, and especially the black in my neighborhood, who have roots in the South and the Caribbean, who have, like, we're only maybe one generation away from like from farmers. So how do we reconnect with that knowledge that's already in us and how do we start growing? So my goal, one of my goals is to try to give like anybody who wants it, um, everything they need to start growing food. So we give away uh, free, like basically it's like a grow your own food starter pack. So it's the pot, the soil and the seeds to start growing. Because I want everyone, because if everyone can just start like trying to grow and get used to it, get comfortable, get over their, uh, you know, their stigmas and thinking they have a brown thumb and can't grow anything. If we just get them to understand that we come from a, a long line of amazing It's farmers. in our DNA. Yes, it's in our DNA. Like we know the land. The land is us. There's no, there's no separation. We are, we are this earth. And so if we reconnect with that and understand that, then we won't be vulnerable to any type of outside uh, tragedies, influences, and we'll be, uh, we'll be more stronger and resilient as people. If we're growing our own food, and imagine, oh, Lord, I almost forgot, because this one always, this is something I was thinking about more in my time. But when you're thinking about food, it's, it's more than just the, the, that you're taking back power over your life. That you're now saying, I'll grow my own food. Uh, I've got, I now have control over, um, you know, when I get to eat, when I get to eat it. But you're also making an investment in your financial future because, one, you're spending way less money on going out and buying groceries. So right there, there's the immediate impact. The long-term impact, or like maybe the bigger but unforeseen impact, is that us, especially as Black people, we have uh, some of the highest uh, rates when it comes to healthcare. So we spend like you know the most money on on health on health insurance and and all types of like pills you know for our for our sugar and for our heart. And if we're able to uh, to grow our own food, then we are able to grow our own. You are medicine. listening to Untapped Potential with Doctor Simone. If you live in Canada, the U.S., and the U.K., and are looking for Dominica products including cocoa sticks, bay rum, coffee, soaps, crafts, and other popular Dominica items, then look no further. You can now shop 
on buydominicaonline.com, a secure, easy-to-navigate website selling a wide variety of Dominica-made and Dominica-inspired products. When you shop on buydominicaonline.com, you are helping to grow Dominica's economy. Go to buydominicaonline.com and enjoy home away from home. think it's a stretch of the imagination that uh, Kofi Thomas has done so well in farming because if you're from Dominica, you're from the Caribbean region, you know that agriculture is a very important part of the, uh, you know, what we produce in the islands, what the islands are known for. So like I mentioned, you know, I think farming might be in his DNA. (laughs) So just an observation that although he did not have a particular upbringing in agriculture somehow he was moved in the direction of agriculture so again we say thank you to Kofi for being on the program and again if you would like to hear the entire interview as well as see the video of the of the interview you can jump on push past 10 uh, on YouTube so again p-u-s-h-p-a-s-t the number 10 on YouTube to check out uh, his interviews and speaking of YouTube you know we've been doing incredibly well now that that we have the option to have our interviews both on Facebook Live and YouTube Live as well. So for example, last Saturday, we had the privilege of having Mr. Anthony Toulon out of Dominica. He has written this incredible book, The Gardens of Atenia. So he stopped by to tell us how he became the number one new release on Amazon with that book of his. So you want to check out his interview. It is now live. Well, actually, it's now available on YouTube. And in terms of our tip for today, as we move along with the program, I wanted to remind you of the importance of being prepared the night before. You know, 2022 is right around the corner and we are back to the news resolutions. We are back to what would we like to achieve for 2022? I hope that there's something you can celebrate during 2021, despite all the challenges, something that you were able to achieve of significance for 2021. And as we look ahead to 2022, we have to get ourselves prepared for achieving those goals. So again, um, this is straight out of Push Past 10, which you know is my, my book that I wrote, The Importance of Getting Prepared the Night Before if you would like to have a successful day. So for example, with regards to working out, I always ensure that everything that I need for the gym is in my gym bag, my clothes, my shoes, my, uh, you know, my water bottle, my Gatorade, everything I need, my music, my headphones, everything I need is in my bag from the night before. So that way, once I take Sophia to school, I can very quickly run over to the gym and not come home because guess what happens when you come home, right? And nothing. <laughs> no workout happens. So the idea is to ensure that you have everything that you need to to get going the next day for that important goal that you're working on. Get it ready the night before so you will have no excuses the next day. So again, we're coming to the end of the program. It has been wonderful being here with you for another episode of Untapped Potential. Uh, Don't forget, next week, uh, the 22nd, as well 
well as January 4th, we will be off the air as we enjoy some downtime with our families just enjoying the Christmas holiday break. So I will be back with you the second week of January and I will be looking forward to getting the year off with you for another Power Pack episode of Untapped Potential as we continue to learn and grow and journey together. So I want to wish you a very happy holiday season. I hope that you spend some time with your family and you're able to just get some rest. And before I go, of course, I have to tell you about the featured video for the week, uh, for this week on Push Past 10. And that is... Uh, Roots Connections on Q that I recently did with um, Q95 radio station. And the particular episode was the impact of canceling carnival. So, you know, a lot of people have been talking about canceling carnival and because of COVID-19, but I wanted to take a look at the real implications of canceling carnival. So it's not only the entertainers who are impacted when we cancel carnival, but it's also all the vendors, all the vendors, you know, from the food vendors to the clothing vendors to gas stations thousands of Dominicans are impacted when we cancel carnival so I wanted to look at some options in terms of what can be done to at least engage engage the entertainers so that they're able to you know at least earn a little bit of income during the carnival 2022. Uh, session. So again, you want to jump on pushpast10.com, P-U-S-H-P-A-S-T, the number 10.com for more information. So again, as we wrap up the program, it's been wonderful being here with you for Untapped Potential with Dr. Simone right here on TDN Radio. I hope that you enjoy the holiday season. I hope that you spend some time thinking about what uh, you were able to achieve this year, as well as looking forward to important life goals for next year, which is exactly what I'll be doing during my Christmas break. So again, I want to wish you a happy holiday season, and I look forward to being with you in the new year as we journey on together. So enjoy your holiday season. And until I see you next week, next year, I can't believe it is the end of 2021. So again, until I see you next year, I wish you a happy holiday season and we will be in touch soon.